0: At long last, the Carolina Panthers have signed a veteran edge rusher. We'll talk about it right now on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions into me for this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter promo code Locked On NFL for a white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you that the carolina panthers have finally gone out and added a veteran edge rusher by signing former pole bowler justin houston to a one-year deal at long last the panthers did something that we have been clamoring for for well over a year think about it in 2021 the carolina panthers had a really good thing a damn good thing with brian burns and with Hassan Reddick, and we found out that they had an elite pass-rushing combination that year as Hassan Reddick followed up on his breakout season the prior year in 2020 and played on that prove-it deal and had 11 sacks that year. Brian Burns had nine sacks, and they combined for 20 and one of the best edge-rushing duos in the NFL that season. Now, the Carolina Panthers as a whole still weren't the best in the league in 21 when it came to getting after the passer, only having 39 sacks that season. Of course, 20 of those from... Redick and from Burns so when the Panthers decided to let Hassan Reddick go for reasons and the reasons were they were in pursuit of Deshaun Watson and they needed the money potentially that would have been there cap wise to bring Deshaun Watson here to Carolina and sign whatever deal he would have wanted now as we know Watson didn't want to come here David Tepper didn't want to guarantee him the kind of money that he obviously got in Houston and he did not come to Carolina Hassan Redick also was a player who had a massive season in 2020 and had another great season in 2021 it was time for him to get paid and the carolina panthers are the same team that three straight off seasons have had to move around money and restructure deals so they really didn't have the space to even sign hassan reddick who ended up signing for three years 48 million dollars i believe in philadelphia where it's really it's 30 million guaranteed they just didn't have the money to really do that but also he wasn't a priority as we saw last season, boy, was that a mistake? Even if they did or didn't have the money available to sign Hassan Redick last off season, as he went on to have 16 sacks in the regular season and 19 and a half total. If you include the playoffs and none more important than the one that ended up tearing The UCL of Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game as Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl where, of course, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in that game out in the desert. He was fantastic. Now, if you look at the numbers that he put up in 21 by himself where he had 11 sacks and you look at the numbers that Marquise Haynes and Frankie Louvre, the two guys that were tasked to replace that production last year, they actually exceeded it. With the 12 sacks that they combined, with Haynes having a career high five and Louvu having a career high seven in his first year as a full time starter in the NFL. So 12 greater than 11. And when you look at what those guys did in replacing that production, but when you, of course, take into mind what Reddick did by himself last year with, again, the 16 sacks and the 19 and a half, you saw where the Carolina Panthers certainly were lacking. Now, they only went from nine, 39 sacks in 2021 down to 35. Not a massive gap, but it's obvious to anyone heading into last season, heading into this season, that the Panthers needed to address the pass rush by adding a veteran player, by adding a veteran player, excuse me. Now, last season, they tried to do that. They brought in Carlos Dunlap instead and went the Kansas City. Um, can you blame him? Did he want to get on a sinking ship of Matt Rule, or did he want to go win a Super Bowl? Well, he wanted to go win a Super Bowl, which he was successful in doing. So good for Carlos Dunlap in doing that, who, of course, had the relationship dating back to Seattle with the Panthers general manager, Scott Fitter. So they tried to do that. Ended up being stuck with Burns, who was terrific last year with 12 and a half sacks. And then the aforementioned pairing of Marquise Haynes, Frankie Luvu were hoping that Ito Grosmatos, who they cut Morgan Fox to allow him to have the opportunity at defensive end last year, that he would step up. And that was not the case. So the Panthers needed to do something after not doing anything last year. They tried but they didn't do it. And throughout the offseason, there's been some frustration. I would think from a lot of the fan base. When you look at guys like Yannick Ngakwe, who signed on Thursday night with the um, Chicago bears for 10 and a half million dollars. And that's, Probably more than the Carolina Panthers, obviously, were uh, probably wanting to spend. You also look at Leonard Floyd, who has a relationship with his coaching staff, with Jero Vero, who's the defensive coordinator here, dating back to his time in Los Angeles with the Rams. He goes to Buffalo, and it's one of those things where, can you really blame the guy going from one team where he won a Super Bowl, and then last year was awful to going to a team, Buffalo, Josh Allen, Stavon Diggs, and a very good coaching staff, as we know, with Sean McDermott, and of course, the general manager, Brandon Bean, where you're going to be competing for a Super Bowl. So it's hard to really c- complain, but it never felt like the Panthers were all that Interested in either one of those guys. Frank Clark was also out there. Didn't seem like he was in, they were interested in him, although I don't know if he was necessarily a scheme fit. But the Panthers went out there and finally got someone who fits what they need. And they got a player who I honestly believe was the best available edge rusher considering the production that he put up last year in Justin Houston. Like, talk about the guys that we talked about. Ngakwe had nine and a half sacks last year. Justin Houston... At thirty-three years old, had nine and a half sacks last season for the Baltimore Ravens. You look at the past two seasons, he's had fourteen sacks combined, which is terrific for a guy at his age who has been a high level player in the NFL for over a decade. He's phenomenal. And I honestly forgot that he had a relationship with Frank Reich dating back to when Reich was head coach, of course, in Indianapolis in 2019 and 2020, where he had 19 sacks combined in those two seasons. So Frank Reich knows the kind of player he is, the kind of leader he is, and he's certainly someone that he would want to bring into an organization that has said – Time and time again throughout the offseason, Fitter has come out and said that, yeah, that is a position group that we would like to address. They did it in the draft with T.J. Johnson moving up from 93 to 80, but they also got a player who's going to be 25 years old this season who played tight end in college and transferred to Oregon and is still pretty green and not someone that you should be depending on, even even though he is a third-round pick, probably not the kind of player you're trying to depend on in this first season even if the staff looks at this as more of a two-year rebuild than just one year and then you're already turned things around although you look at the division the Panthers have an opportunity and now by adding Justin Houston that only furthers what they have here defensively and the position that they're in to potentially take control of the NFC South that every single team in this division even Tampa believes they have a chance to take control of. Now, the Panthers with Bryce Young, this new coaching staff, and some of these defensive hallmarks that they got back there, they would look like the organization that you would really want to bet on over the next five years. But bringing in someone who can allow players like DJ Johnson to develop and not be thrown into the fire year one, that is huge by getting Justin Houston. He's a perfect fit for the 3-4 scheme. Honestly, looking at his career, I don't really know if there's been a time where he hasn't really played in it because he definitely played in it. Through all his years in Kansas City. Did it in Baltimore the last couple seasons and probably did in Indianapolis with um, Frank Reich. So good signing by the Carolina Panthers, a necessary move from a team that failed to address a position in the proper way a year ago and really got burned by it. Even though Brian Burns, no pun intended, obviously, he went out there, had a great season. Everybody else just was kind of lacking. And Haynes stepped up late. In the season, but was nowhere to be found for like the first nine weeks. Frankie Luvo, a surprise of seven sacks, but now this allows Carolina Panthers to still do things like put Frankie Luvo outside if they want him to rush the passer in certain situations but also allows them to not have to worry about Frankie Louvu having to do that. Now they have better depth at inside linebacker that still allows that to happen. But now they add a veteran presence in Justin Houston, who only I think elevates the floor of this Panthers team heading into this 2023 season. So Justin Houston, he is now a Carolina Panther. So what's the impact of Houston signing to the current position group there at Edge Rusher. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? And who are the, uh, I don't really know if it's good or bad for them. I'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Guys, there's just a simple truth. Bird dogs make you look good. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better and also for less. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dog's fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog's uses anti stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, and it's been Pretty hot down here in North Carolina, all across the country. So you certainly need to get yourself some bird dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. One I'm wearing right now for the YouTube uh, viewers, that's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. All right, so everyone got their wish. The Carolina Panthers have finally signed a veteran edge rusher in Justin Houston, who had nine and a half sacks last season, 14 total sacks last two seasons. And then the two years he played with Frank Reich in Indianapolis had 19 sacks combined in those two years. The dude had 22 sacks in a season. He's a complete monster, at least he has been in his career and his longevity is honestly striking to have nine and a half sacks. When you look at players who are younger and have been solid players in their own right, but never at the level of Justin Houston so far, and Leonard Floyd, who seemingly would have fit here in Carolina, Ngakwe, who also would have seemingly fit here in Carolina, they get a player who produced right at the level or above them last year as he had nine and a half sacks. Ngakwe had nine and a half sacks, and Floyd had nine sacks. So outperformed Leonard Floyd, someone who the Panthers certainly would have loved to have last year. Now, overall... Does it fix the long-term question there at edge rusher opposite of Brian Burns? No, but it does allow some of the younger options you have on this roster time to kind of mature and marinate and not have to be thrown out there immediately this season and be called upon to be big-time players for you. Now, it's still possible, albeit unlikely, but it's something I think is beneficial for Houston, Houston for the younger players and just for the team overall here in Carolina heading to the 2023 season. So the good, the bad, and the ugly, kind of who's it good for, who's it bad for, and they're still kind of guys I'm not quite sure whether it's bad or good for them at all. Now, starting off with the good, the positives, DJ Johnson, as I mentioned, the Carolina Panthers, traded up from 93 to 80 there in the third round to get him. And they said that they did not want to miss out on an edge rusher, a position group that we felt like they should have addressed. Now, there was certainly the conversation, and there was the opportunity there at 39th overall where they took Jonathan Mingo out of the second round there at Ole Miss that they could have taken a guy like B.J. Ozilary, who would have been a perfect fit, you would think, opposite of Brian Burns there at that outside linebacker edge-rushing spot. Now, there would have been a ton of pressure on him, of course, but being a top-40 pick, it would have been warranted. A little different once you get to a pick there in the 80s, right at 80 in DJ Johnson, but then the pressure comes when you trade up for him, and by all accounts, by the draft nerds, the Panthers kind of reached there. And they went with a guy who had traits, but did not necessarily go out and produce a ton, winning college, playing tight end, but then becoming an edge rusher at Oregon in the Pac-12, R.I.P., uh, the last season or so. So you got a nice body, and that's kind of been the trend we've seen a couple of years now where you got a body like Amari Barno. He's got the speed. You go out there and get a guy um, like Brandon Smith, who's got the size that you would love, And you now get a guy like D.J. Johnson. So far, those guys who have the traits haven't really produced just yet. Now, still early for some of them, so we'll see if that works out. But the traits guys have not turned out to be players just yet. But this is now going to allow D.J. Johnson, who honestly doesn't have that much time to really grow into a player because he's going to be 25. And by time his rookie deal is over, he's going to be damn near 30. And at that point, you better hope that that guy panned out and he's turned into a kind of good product. But what helps him is he don't have to come into a situation where, hey, DJ, we got Brian over here who's we're expecting to get like 14, 15 sacks if possible. We need you to contribute. Maybe give us six or seven this year. Now, is that out of the realm of possibility? Of course not. But is that realistic based off of what he did in college and based off of, you know, how he's performed so far? And it is early in camp. By all accounts, down there in Spartanburg and one night here in Charlotte, the guy's been fairly invisible, which shouldn't be surprising considering everything that was said about him post-draft and his career back in college. So now he gets to learn from Burns. He gets to work with Tim Lukabu, the new outside linebackers coach, and he gets to learn from Justin Houston. And if you look at his numbers, doesn't the guy have a pretty damn good argument potentially to have a bust in Canton one day? So if you're gonna learn from a potential future Hall of Famer and another guy who's ascending into one of the top edge rushers in the game and not be asked to be the guy this year, that should bode well for him. And on top of that, you got Marquise Haynes back, who now this, I think, might help him. And he was in the category of not quite sure whether this is good or bad for him as he's dealing with a back issue that's kept him out for about a week now. Now Marquise Haynes is not thrust into a starter. Now, of course, Haynes as the competitor would want to be the starter, but it takes pressure off of Haynes and what would be expected out of Marquise Haynes. If he can give you five, six sacks this year, you feel good about that. It's not like it's going to be something disappointing because the expectation for Haynes now is not its not that he's the starter. And he's never produced at that level. And you just saw a player who has in the past and even did last year at an old age, NFL-wise, come here and now take off some of that pressure. So the pressure is now off of Burns. I think it's a little bit off of Haynes as well. And definitely... Off of DJ Johnson. So for those three, I feel like this is a good signing. And you could argue for Marquis Haynes' sake that maybe it's not a good signing for him because maybe he's going to, it's going to cut down, probably going to cut down on some of his reps. I think overall, it's a good thing for the Carolina Panthers. And well, that's what's important the team. Who's it bad for? Well, it's got to be bad for Eitor Grossmadas, right? The dude's been compared as, has been said as an awkward fit by a lot of people in that defense. Now he came out on Sunday. Spoke to the media down there in Spartanburg and said that, no, this is more natural for him than what he did the last couple seasons, his first three years in his career where he's had eight and a half sacks. Okay, you can only trust and believe that he that's the the case. Um, At least he's saying that. Now, other observers would disagree. But if Gross Matos feels like he can do it, then maybe he can do it. But we'll see, and we'll find out during the preseason. We'll really find out this week with joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday. Then, of course, Saturday against the Jets, and in the next two Friday nights before we get into the season and find out whether he's on the roster or not. He did come out and also say this quote: "That fans saying they need an edge rusher and that I'm not good enough. I want to prove you people who I I want to I want to prove the people who I say I am. Okay. Well, the team, the team is telling you." that they feel like they needed an edge rusher and that you're not good enough. The numbers are bearing that. And I'm not trying to like slam a guy. Cause it's just, that's just been the fact that last season they gave him an opportunity past coaching staff, different scheme. Of course, same general manager, not the guy who drafted him. And you got to kind of think about that too. Fitter inherited gross mottos, but they gave him an opportunity to the starter. And he did not produce at the level that the Carolina Panthers would want him to produce that last season. So that certainly is unfortunate. But now he has an opportunity still here on the roster, and he could be a beneficiary maybe of a guy like Justin Houston to come in here who could show him some of the tricks of the trade. And maybe the Panthers are in a situation where Grosmodos does step up and can be on this roster to where you could have, of course, Burns, Houston. You get opportunities where, of course, Haynes can come in. You can find a way to kick Frankie Louvo out there, and then maybe get the best season yet out of Etor Gross Modest. And as I've said in the past, and many people have said before, Contract seasons are undefeated. So I would say overall, it feels bad for him. They they already have Johnson that they drafted, who, of course, is going to be on the roster. They have Burns, who I imagine this maybe gets them closer to signing him as they want to maybe figure out this deal. That could be part of the hangup. Nick Bosa, by the way, still hasn't been paid, unless I missed something. So that's three guys already on the roster. And I don't know what it's going to mean. And Haynes, of course, that's four. And I projected that the Panthers would have four guys. Now they maybe have five. Maybe maybe this does help Matos make the team. Amari uh, Barno, not quite sure what it means for him. Young guy still, second year, didn't see much out of him at all last season. Speed guy, uh, he can learn just like D.J. Johnson some of the tricks of the trade from Burns, of course, he's already here, but now from Justin, uh, Justin Houston. So I think overall, like, the depth got a little bit better because when you push back Haynes, As a situational guy, instead of someone who you're depending on to be a starter, that's a good thing. And when you still have Frankie Louvre, you can use, and now you have the ability to do that, especially by bringing Deion Jones into the fray there, at inside linebacker, that helps. So the depth got better. It's still going to be Brian Burns who you're depending on, and you're hoping that uh, that Justin Houston can stay healthy again. He's been healthy his entire career. That's why he's still playing at a high level like last year with nine and a half sacks. Overall, it's a better situation for guys like Burns, for the, the roster as a whole, the position for the whole, but it's a better situation now for guys like Burns, Johnson, even Marquise Haynes to a certain extent, probably Barno as well, maybe not right, we really haven't heard too much about him, and Kobe Jones is somebody who's really stepped up and has been one of those camp superstars who could, if he actually performs well in joint practices and in preseason, maybe steal a spot and be on this roster. But I just do not see how... It's a good thing for Gross Matos, who says that earlier today, that fans saying we need an edge rusher, that I'm not good enough. And then the team told him that they need an edge rusher and that he wasn't good enough a couple hours later by signing Justin Houston. But they got to do what's best for them as they, again, have a chance to step up and win the NFC South this season. So that's the impact there. Uh, there's some edge rusher financials that also kind of want to talk about that probably played a role and the Panthers ending up signing Justin Houston and also passing on a couple guys. You just kind of want to look at some of the numbers too, some of the dudes that we had talked about. And then a couple practice notes uh, from Sundays. The Carolina Panthers we'll have an off day on Monday. So all that coming up here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we get there, football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So every single time they win, you get a bonus bet. Just pick any team to win a Super Bowl, any team, anybody, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets from America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, something I didn't get to address on Friday because I had already recorded the weekly Friday mailbag was, of course, the signing of uh, Yannick, or I guess I saw, I saw Ian Rapport a Yannick, but it doesn't matter, he's in play here, um, Ngakwe, that guy. He signed in Chicago, $10.5 million on Thursday night, and had people tweet at me, he's like, well, there goes that one. Yeah, and there was a mailbag question by um, Alex, it was, on Friday being like, hey, is it is he possibly not here because Frank Reich was with him last year and maybe doesn't want him on his team. And I think he was available at this point in time. Uh, Was it August 2nd would have been, I guess. Um, I think he was uh, available. No, it was probably the fourth, whatever. It doesn't matter. Third, doesn't matter. Um, I think he was available because the big knock on him has been that he is just not going to help you at all in the run game. And for someone who wants a ton of money, hard to give him that. If he's not going to contribute anywhere outside of third down. Now, third down obviously is huge. Getting after the passer is important, and he has been pretty damn good at it over the last couple of seasons throughout his career. But there's a reason that hey now he's on his fifth or sixth team, which is wild for a player of that caliber, at least a player who has that trade in this league, where that is something that's Huge in the NFL this season, so or in the in the NFL nowadays with past happy offenses. So Ngakwe signed for ten and a half billion on Thursday. I saw that I was like, okay, well the Panthers are clearly never in this because they were not going to spend that much money at this point in time, no matter how much cap space they have, which is still I think among the top two, maybe even top in the NFL. They're just not going to spend that kind of money for a guy like that. And another thing that probably pointed to the Panthers not being in that conversation was back in June. When Ngakwe signed Drew Rosenhaus to be his agent, and as we've seen in the past in baseball, in football, whatever sports, when someone signs with Drew Rosenhaus, they're looking for the maximum bag. And the Carolina Panthers were not going to give Ngakwe $10.5 million to be a guy who's not going to give you effort on anything other than a pass rushing down. That's just not going to happen. And it's possible that Frank Reich saw that and decided no. Now, Frank Reich did go out there and get someone who he was familiar with. And I saw the reporting from Joe Person earlier on Sunday morning um, from The Athletic. He was talking about how, well, the Panthers clearly need to bring in a pass rusher. We've seen it. Last year, didn't work out well for them. So far, it's very obvious that some of these young guys, late DJ Johnson, aren't ready to go and Marquise Haynes is out. So you got to do something and – they went out there, and they did something. But he also mentioned that article that the Bears needed to reach the salary cap floor, so they needed to spend some money anyways. So they had the money to spend. It's a one-year deal. It doesn't hurt them, and it helps them, clearly. That is something that they could afford to do with Carolina – Probably could afford to do it, but didn't want to do it. You look at Leonard Floyd's deal, he got $7 million, up to $9 million in incentives. That's kind of a deal where it's like, man, damn, I would love for that to happen. Still, never saw any reporting that the Carolina Panthers were interested in him. I would imagine that they had to have some level of interest, as Scott Fitter did say, day one, in on every deal. Just hasn't been in on those deals to the finish line by getting those guys to be Carolina Panthers. Gakwe, the money, that didn't make any sense. Floyd, that was one that feels like that would have made sense or could would have made sense for them at that point in time, but did not. And really, this – Houston, as I said, was the best available guy. When you look at just the financials of what – the I don't know what they're going to pay. I, don't, I haven't seen it yet, but I can't imagine he's making a ton of money at this age. I just – I don't see it happening. And there was also the report from Joe that he was still tied to potentially going to Baltimore. And when you're an older player, maybe you don't want to be out there for the first two weeks of training camp and you want to kind of sit out for a little bit, then come out there and do it, that could have been the case. But he has a relationship with Frank Reich, and now he's here in Carolina, so that's a good thing. But looking at the other options that were available, once you saw guys like Ngakwe go off the board, you saw Floyd go off the board, Frank Clark go off the board. Other than that, it was like Melvin Ingram, who of course has ties to the Carolinas, has been a solid player and would have made sense. Um, Had six sacks last year, 10 quarterback hits. like That's good production that you would like, Uh, but of course less than what... Justin Houston did last year. You look at uh, Jadavion Clowney, who is more of a name than someone who's actually going to help you win football games nowadays, had two sacks and four quarterback hits last year in Cleveland. Like That's not that's not good enough. Carlos Dunlap, who they spoke to last season, had four sacks and about the same age. Like him and Ingram, pretty much the same age as, as Justin Houston and who produced at a higher level and who also has a relationship with the coaching staff here. Justin Houston. And, yes, I know, the other guys as well, Glockway, Floyd did, but it works out for them to bring in a guy like Justin Houston. I think it's a good move for the Panthers, as I've stated, multiple times so far on the show and for him and everyone involved. Now, a couple notes from practice on Sunday. I know Saturday was a rough day for the offense. Uh, it's also a good thing that the defense is looking good, and it really shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, that the offense would struggle considering rookie quarterback, new scheme. like figuring out the new wide receivers all that kind of stuff it's it's going to be you know a process it's going to take a little bit of time for both sides of the ball to really get clicking but there's one i think would drag slower than the other the start off the season it would be the offense but I'm not overly concerned about that as it's the preseason and that's part of the whole deal like they've had nine training camp practices nothing to uh, sweat over now one thing that was cleared up on Sunday and I don't really feel like it should have been news at all is that Bryce Young will play against the Jets on Saturday following the two days of joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday yeah that should be the case the Panthers should be playing their starting offense rookie quarterback New receivers, new scheme, all these things that we've talked about throughout the offseason. Duh. They need to play their starters. They need to play Bryce as much as possible. Now, not as much as possible. You know, They have a plan. And Frank said they have a general plan of how many players they want to get through during the preseason with Bryce Young out there. And that would mean the offensive line would be there. and You need to see what Cade Mays can do at right guard. Austin Corbett was speaking to the media again on Sunday, updating on how he's going, how things are going. Is that like month seventh now? It's month seven now since that injury and he's going to still miss some time. He, he said as much, not trying to rush it, helping as much as he can. So getting this to a Cade Mays and his new offensive line, well, this offensive line unit, which was good last year, what they look like with Bryce trying to protect him. That's something that we need to see. So Bryce needs to play as much as they think is necessary. And that will be the case. This will be out there against the Jets. And then the next two weeks where I forget who they're even playing. Um, but Frank did say that they, that can be adjusted as far as a plan about, By 10-20% depending on how things go. And hopefully things go well. Um, If they don't, then, you know, it's preseason, not great. This is time to figure it out. So the plan is that Bryce will play and they'll see how much it will be. Uh, They did finish installs on Sunday, so that's good. Now with the Jets coming in town, they already have what they're working on. And they're just trying to focus things on tightening things up and figuring out what exactly is the core of what they're going to be doing this upcoming season. Uh, Deion Jones, last note here. Apparently, he's adapted very quickly. Not really surprising. Fantastic player when healthy. He's shown that throughout his career and really changes what potentially could be the uh, strength there at the inside linebacker heading to the season. Now you got Shaq, you got Frankie, you got him, and uh, Kamuk Ruye Hill, who's been a surprise so far. In training camp. So Deion Jones, according to Frank Reich, has adapted very quickly and looks like he's been here the entire camp. Now the camp is only nine days old. He only, he only missed like three or four days. So but still, well, whatever. Deion Jones looking good so far. And the Panthers will be off on Monday before coming back on Tuesday. Then again, Wednesday and Thursday, going to be out there with the New York Jets. So that's gonna wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast part. Of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, again, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Again, y'all make sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter. At Julian Council, we on Fridays throughout the offseason. I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe. We have to be whole and always keep pounding. And on tomorrow's show, hopefully going to have a guest. And I definitely know on Wednesday, we'll be talking to Antoine Staley of the New York Daily News to break down the Jets side of things as the Panthers prepare for their joint practices later on this week.